Hi, this is Brian Maddox, and welcome to the Consulting Drive Podcast. I'm here today with Joe Mosier. Welcome, Joe. Hey, good morning, Brian. Joe's going to give us a little bit more background in a second about his consulting group. Uh, so, Joe, you know, again, welcome to the show. If you could tell us about your background, that would be great for our listeners. Sure, Brian. Um, so I've got about 20 years, a little bit over 20 years of professional experience in the industry. Um, much or actually the majority of it was with a large commercial uh, food and agribusiness firm, uh, privately held, one of the largest privately held companies in the world. And um, uh, spent a, a fair bit of time there in a number of capacities, internal management consulting, process improvement, uh, plant operations, and global risk and assurance. And um, uh, about, uh, I guess, two years ago, um, left the, the corporate world to launch my own uh, solopreneur consulting business. Um, so in this business, I work with uh, small to middle market food and agribusiness firms and generally helping uh, management teams, owners, and uh, uh, senior stakeholders uh, think through strategy execution. So most, most companies have strategies. Most companies have strategies for growth where they're trying to drive change in the organization, enter new markets, uh, expand upon existing markets, whatever that driver may be. Uh, but many of them actually struggle, struggle at the point of execution. And so um, what I do is is try to take my years of experience working with uh, one of the larger organizations um, and bring some of that that uh, process rigor, process discipline, and, and proven experience uh, into that smaller and lower, lower middle market uh, space to help them succeed and grow. Joe, I think when we spoke a couple of days ago, um, I, I was uh, just as surprised as probably I am right now that the, the agribusiness and the consulting space in the agribusiness sounds uh, uh, really hyper-specialized. How did you land there? Yeah, it's a good question. So um, I think the perceived barriers to entry are high um, because it, it does feel like a, a very uh, a narrowly defined space or uh, maybe a very mature space and, and, and not in a lot of need of help. But the, the reality is that the, the sector itself is, is really under a lot of pressure. Um, and so I, I landed here doing this on my own just by virtue of, of the years I spent working in and around that industry, like, like I said, in my, in my corporate, uh, uh, corporate uh, career. Um, you know, when we think about food and ag, it's, it's quite large and it kind of depends on how you define it. So agribusiness um, could include, uh, uh, you know, direct large-scale farming, Though often it's, it, it starts off with, with uh, seed businesses, uh, crop input type businesses, chemicals, fertilizers, uh, pesticides, fungicides, things of that nature, uh, all the way up into grain origination, um, animal feed manufacturing, um, uh, corn processing, uh, gets into animal production. So whether that's poultry, pig, beef, uh, or other, and then you get, of course, into your finished, finished shelf-stable products that we all see in the grocery stores every day. So um, crackers, biscuits, you know, macaroni and cheese, um, uh, really the, the entire gamut. And so um, it's it's much bigger than people tend to think. Um, and the, the perceived barriers to entry are high, but uh, really the space is is uh, it's really exciting um, and uh, a lot of a lot of significant change underway. Um. Uh, apart from the perceived barriers to entry, I'm sure there were actual barriers, at least in, in terms of your experience, right? You've been independent now for a couple of years, right? Correct. Yeah. So 
how did how did you start and how did you get your first couple clients? Well, the, the I have a I have the the benefit of I set out to create a business like many of us do, you know, where we say um, every client from a referral and a referral from every client, right? Where you sort of remove the the marketing challenge from the business. Um, and and at the outset, I benefited from a pretty rich network of people who had also left you know, that organization or other companies I'd worked with and landed in pretty big jobs in smaller organizations. And so having worked with someone in the past, having shown your commitment to creating value, having shown your ability to, to execute and, and do well, clearly accelerates that business development process because people know you and trust you and are, uh, there's, there's much more uh, of, a, of an accelerated pace of bringing you in to help. Um, you know, and beyond that, it, it's, a, it's just a matter of researching and really understanding the space you're intending to serve. So in, in food and ag, one of the things that has always felt a bit different, and, and the reason I bring this up is because I can speak to it when I talk to a client, is if you think about a, 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 a poultry producer, their manufacturing process is not taking a variety of components and putting them together in order to create a product that you then sell. They bring in one component and they break it down into multiple different subcomponents which are then packaged and create value by disaggregating them, right? The, the, the whole bird market is very small compared to, you know, your skinless chicken breasts, your bone in thighs, your you know, uh, chicken wings, et cetera. Um, and so being able to understand the nuances of that business coupled with proven performance in the past and relationships with people um, has, has helped get things off the ground relatively early. So, oh. With with that in mind, right, the the referral side of the business and the referral generation sounds like a vital part of, of how you're scaling and growing, um, which is uh, a recurring theme I think you're going to find with every major business owner. You know, uh, I personally got my very first piece of business by referral as a consultant. So I, I understand the value of that. Um, but at some point, you're going to want to expose yourself to new market spaces or new um, parts of the network that you haven't yet gotten connections with. What's your strategy there? Well, the strategy is, you know, for me is to, a couple of things is, is one, you need to be very explicit and state what it is you want from your existing network. And so for me, it does all start with that core network and ripples out. And, um, and so it starts with being explicit to those individuals, what it is I'm trying to do. That's how I get the business off the ground was calling people up and saying, Hey, update on me. Uh, I'm doing this thing. Here's what I'm thinking about doing. Here's what I'm focusing on. Here's, here's how I, I want to serve the market. And I got feedback from them and then ultimately got work from them. And then as those engagements wrap up, you know, nearly 100% of the time, they tend to extend into other adjacent work. So people realize, oh, we can get this guy at a relative discount as a non-full-time employee. It's a, you know, turn it on or off as you need. So there's a natural extension within that existing client base. But then you also just simply remind them what it is you do, what your business is, what you, what services you provide that maybe they're not in need of right now, and just asking, who else do you think would benefit from a conversation? And by just really shamelessly asking for those connections um, allows you to, to plant the seeds for business, business development that might not actually be harvestable for another six, eight, 12, 24 months. 
uh, my average sales cycle from an initial conversation to actually signing uh, a letter agreement tends to be about six to seven months. And so it's a matter of just constantly creating those new connections and talking with people so that when the time comes that they need something that, that you specialize in, something that you do, something you can do better, differently, and potentially cost competitively, they, they know you and, and, they, and they call. Um, so I just, I, you know, I, I, I regularly check in with my existing clients, which I think are one of the richest pools of business development that is underappreciated. People feel like, okay, I got that project. We're executing well. Now I need to think about the, the next scope of work. And they don't really think about the fact that a, a pleased customer sitting right in front of you is a pretty great advocate. And CEOs know other CEOs. COOs know other COOs. And they talk. And they talk a lot and, and they, they do want to help one another. And so um, that's, that's been my strategy thus far. So, so given the depth of the niche market that you serve and the, and the kind of the narrow focus there, uh, I imagine that's helped with making other folks advocates for your value proposition. How, how much work did you do getting that tightened down? Um, so the value proposition itself? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, then, so, and then practice communicating, of course. Yeah, well, that's that's an ongoing that's an ongoing journey, right? Because right. as you as you as you I'm sure you know, Brian, when you start a start a new business, potentially in the or particularly in the professional services space, the way you think you'll spend your time and the way you actually spend your time are radically different. Um, Can you give us an example? You know, I I'll give you an yeah my my one of my biggest service offerings right now is supporting companies in the post-transaction, post-M&A transaction management process. So a, a company potentially does its first ever or first in a very long time acquisition of either a competitor where they consolidate in the space or potentially they're going for vertical integration. So they're buying a, a, a supplier or a customer of theirs and, and looking to expand vertically within, within their supply chain. And you know, strategies generally, there's a lot of research on this, but strategies themselves have about a 50% failure rate. So when you invest in a strategy, you're, you're kind of rolling the dice or, or actually coin flip odds that you're going to win and, and execute against that and, and get the value you expected from it. M&A deals fail at a rate of 70 to 90%. And when you're working with companies in my target market, you know, some of these guys will... Uh, uh, I use guys generally, though it is a male-dominated industry. Um, you know, they the the might be the only deal they ever do in their entire career, and so you know, taken in that, that successful operators fail at seventy to ninety percent. What are the odds of someone doing it their first time? Actually integrating a business, actually getting the value out of that acquisition they expected. Um, that's always been work that I've supported in a variety of capacities, corporately, um, but not exclusively. And it was sort of one of those things that I thought, well, wouldn't it be amazing if I could eventually build the business into something that, that did that as a lion's share of the work? Supporting leadership teams at one of the most critical junctures in the business cycle, right? The, the, the opportunity to destroy value during an acquisition is tremendous. And, and so to help people get through that and not only minimize the downside, but actually accelerate how quickly they get to the upside they promised to the deal is really exciting. And I just thought that that would be a five, 10-year goal 
and within months of, of starting the business by simply talking about that, by focusing on it, by putting together the models and, and the ways that you go about the work well, uh, the, the work just kind of flows to you. So that's an example of where, that's a positive example of where I, I thought I would be doing sort of more routine process improvement, process management type work. Realized quickly that that is heavily commoditized, hard to differentiate, hard to compete, hard, hard to do it profitably. Um, but then this other sort of exciting blue ocean space that I didn't see anyone else really focusing on um, flowed very quickly into the business. And so as you were communicating that out to referral partners, was there any feedback from them about kind of kind of where you were going? Did you get uh, and was it just an immediate wildfire kind of situation or what? Um, well, it's it a lot of so the the conversations that I was having with my market as part of that referral, understanding what's going on in your business. Um, what are the, what's the pain you're experiencing right now? What are you doing to resolve that pain? Kind of those general biz dev exploratory type conversations that mm. we all have and probably our clients hate having. Like, why do I need to explain my problems to you? Tell me what my problem is and then I'll tell you if you're right. And then if, it's, if you're right, maybe we can fix it. Um, uh, but as I kind of talked about, okay, this is this is an opportunity I see. This is the trend line for acquisitions in this space. This is the, the impact that private equity is having on driving larger acquisitions. This is what a low cost of capital over the last seven to eight years is doing for uh, the multiples at, at closing, um, all the factors that drive the activity. As I talked about why I think it's a, a space that is, 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 is an under, has an unmet need and why I think I can offered you know unique and differentiated value to the clients they the the take up was very very fast lots of people saying yes absolutely that's a need yes i've seen lots of deals fail yes let me show you my scar tissue from the deals i've been a part of that didn't go well um, but it doesn't necessarily translate to immediate business because not everyone's doing a deal every day like i said many of my clients are going to do a deal one time every 10 years so it's a unique marketing challenge where how do I get in front of these people with the right message, a meaningful message that sticks with them, knowing that they're not going to need it right away. But having enough of those conversations, what, what ended up happening is people talk, as I said, and, and eventually through the, through the grapevine, people are talking about who's, you know, who's, who's doing what, who's going where, who's buying who. And over time, they just started saying, you know, people were saying, hey, I, I, I talked to so-and-so. We are looking at a deal or we just signed a letter of intent and we think we need some help. Can we talk? And so I, I really look at it as, as all those seeds that you plant along the way, talking with people, reminding them what you're doing, asking, you know, asking what they're facing and not looking to monetize every single interaction. I think one, that's one of the worst things that, that consultants or professional advisors can do is, you know, evaluating every conversation is in terms of its success being binary. Did it lead to them asking me for a proposal or not? And if it didn't, it was a failure. And so I'm not going to talk to them again. That can't really be the, a long-term, a long-term objective. Um, and so I think just, just continue to, to connect with people and, and do that, that work led to eventually a deal flow that right now um, 
is my, my, the, the challenge, fortunately, is not that there's not enough work to do. The challenge is actually the inverse. It's there's potentially too much. And for those that you don't have the capacity to help, you know, how do you get them the help they need elsewhere? And, and, I, and I imagine, so, so you, you said a couple of things I want to touch on. Obviously, the first things first, with the market space and the level of uh, depth of the niche that you've chosen, it sounds like it's relatively easy to know the news in the space because that space is relatively narrow. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, it, it is. It's easy to focus. Um, and so to do targeted search to, to, you know, procure the right industry reports to, you know, follow the right newsletters and online publications to get the news. Uh, yes, it is. So it's, it's easy to target in because it's narrow. Of course, that means there's fewer publications that are touching it. You know, if you're, if you're looking at the software as a service SaaS space, you're going to have the opposite challenge, right? You know, right. so much you could digest that it's hard to know exactly what it means for your clients. But, and I but think yeah. it's 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 counterintuitive, right? The narrower your focus, and this is the case in my experience, the narrower your focus, um, the more effort saving that actually is in the long term. In the short term, Absolutely. you feel like you're giving up tons and tons of revenue. Like, oh, but I could do this for everybody. And the reality is, A, no, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> and B, um, if you don't get that narrow focus, you're going to spend a lot of time spinning wheels trying to acquire clients that are not ideal fits anyway. And it sounds like you've had that experience. Yeah, I, I would say I, you know, I'm still relatively early in the journey. Uh, but in the very early days, I very much was hesitant to do any sort of niching down. But as you look at, you know, you, you read the right source materials, you talk to people, you look at successful other businesses, and you, it, it's 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 indisputable that the more you the more you focus, the richer the the opportunity the work's going to be. Nobody, people don't, in my mind, if you let's say you you need acquisition integration support, and and you are running a a $150 million feed manufacturing business out of Missouri. Are you going to want to talk to people and say, we are world-class integration experts and we can serve everything from small-scale manufacturing to uh, advanced AI companies to self-driving technologies to whatever, or, hey, we we do a lot of work around integration space within feed manufacturing, uh, uh, animal protein and animal processing, and one other you know, pick another space. People actually want to work with someone that that knows knows their space, and, and frankly, will pay a premium for the pleasure. Um, you know, and so I, I look at I've come to terms with the fact that it's it's really addition through subtraction. And, and by stripping out and saying, okay, I'm not going to do everything. Every experience I've had in my career, even if I was good at it, isn't necessarily how I want to spend my time or something someone's going to pay for. So I don't need to talk about it. And, and it just not falling victim to that. To also the idea of if I don't say I do everything, I'm suddenly explicitly saying no. And that's just not the case. So you're, when you get crisp on your value proposition, 
And when you get crisp on your, your, your niche, where you're trying to focus, you're, you're being very loud and clear and declarative around who you're saying yes to, but it doesn't necessarily translate to no to everybody else. So I still get calls and referrals from small manufacturing businesses that are doing HVAC work or, or uh, other sort of like refrigeration components or, or you know, mm-hmm. a variety of other things. And if they have a need that aligns with, with what I do and, it, and if they feel like a, a good client fit and I've got the time and capacity, then we'll have a conversation about it. So it doesn't shut the doors. And I think that's the fear on the, on the front end is that everyone feels that by being too clear on who I'm saying yes to, I'm saying no to everybody else. And that's just not, that's not the case. That is, uh, I think that's a, like a huge takeaway for folks that um, are, are cutting their teeth in the consulting space and they go, hey, listen, I think I want to do, I want to go out on my own. And uh, it, it's so counterintuitive, right? It's such a, such a bit of knowledge that um, is so hard fought and hard to come by, but is absolutely vital to pretty much everything thereafter. So it's awesome that you have found that. So, uh, Joe, we're, we're, I want to wrap up here in just a second. Um, but given uh, that sort of part of the conversation, who should reach out to you? Who represents an ideal prof, you know, person for you to talk to, an ideal problem you want to solve, and how should they reach out? So the, yeah, to recap some of the, the main problems that, that I solve is, is, again, around the post-transaction space. So folks that are planning for a, a significant merger or, or acquisition and have all the due diligence advisory services they need, legal, financial, underwriting, et cetera, they've got all that, but they recognize that the moment that the ink is on the paper and the deal is signed, all they're going to see is the license plates of those rental cars speeding off to the airport for everyone to fly off to go to the next deal. And they're going to be left you know, looking at a horse wondering if they can ride it, right? So that's, a, that's a, someone that I, I, I'd like to talk to. Um, and then, frankly, anybody in the space, again, small to lower food and ag, who recognizes that the strategy for growth that they have perhaps outpaces their own internal capabilities to execute. So it's going to require new ways of working. It's going to put stress in their existing processes. It's going to require them to think and act in new and different ways. And, and they know it's the right strategy, but they're not entirely sure the organization can, can step up. And, and that's where I can come in and, and, and help provide some thoughts and potentially even some hands-on support. Um, so the people that are facing those challenges in that space, um, it'd be great to hear from them. At the same time, you know, I, I as the beneficiary of a lot of support from people as I made this transition, people that both were in sort of corporate roles or, or in senior business leadership roles, as well as people who were also had already made the leap to consulting. And so at the same time, if, if anybody else that's an independent consultant in a completely unrelated space wants to talk, I, I'd be, I'm always open to those conversations to, to share ideas. There's a richness in, in just having exploratory discussions. You, you learn something every single time. And uh, so that, that's also fine as well. And so the best way for them to reach out would be website? LinkedIn? Yeah, website. Uh, website is Mosher, um, so M-O-S-H-E-R cg.com. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn as well. Um, and they can also email, email us at uh, info at Awesome. Joe, I want to thank you so much for your time. I, I really value, you, you know, the, 
what you're bringing to the table here in terms of that that hyper-focused market. It's been uh, just a delight to learn more about the space. Uh, and so thanks for the thanks for the guidance there, uh, as well as hearing your story. Thanks, Brian. It's my pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Consulting Trap. If you have suggestions for future episodes or would like to be a guest on our show, please send me an email at brian at podcastchef.com. That's B-R-I-A-N at P-O-D-C-I-S-T-C-H-E-F dot com. Before we go, we'd like to thank the sponsor of our show, Podcast Chef. Podcast Chef helps turn ordinary podcasting into a revenue-generating lead magnet for your consulting business. Our podcasting done for you service takes away the headache of starting up and running your own podcast. Reach out now to take advantage of our 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit us at podcastchef.com to find out how our team of experts can help you leverage podcasting to take your business to the next level. Hey, you. Yes, you. It's uh, 2024 and you don't have a podcast yet. Or maybe you do, but you're struggling with it. Uh, we will talk to you about that uh, for free. We'll help you figure out uh, where you might be stuck, uh, whether or not we can help you for sure. But also, uh, if you don't have one yet, what are the like first five things you can do? Uh, what are some great angles that you can use to make sure that your podcast was sustainable as you start to develop that moving forward? Uh, those consults are free. So reach out at the link below uh, in the show notes or email me at brian at podcastchef.com. Thanks. Hi, this is Brian. Thanks for listening to the show. Uh, our website, podcastchef.com, has a ton of useful information about how to best leverage podcasting to help you solve some of your business goals and challenges. You can also schedule a demo uh, where we can show you how specifically Podcast Chef and our team can help you with some of your podcasting goals. Thanks. Thanks.